the last three or four years, we've had a boom economy where if your sales skills weren't up to par, you might still have been successful and you might have been able to lead with a product-led sales process and still had some success. That's absolutely not going to work now. So hence the focus I put on developing that sales tool is because I really think folks need to take stock of their fundamentals. That's something really key. And then this shift to remote and digital, this is a shift that's been happening anyway. Like you and I know the past decade, these trends, yeah, they've been happening. Like look at the growth of LinkedIn in the last 10 years. Like it's been growing at 20 or 30% a year through that whole time, people doing more and more interaction on LinkedIn. And this year, of course, it's jumped tremendously. It's got a lot of attention, but it's probably like accelerated, I don't know, three years or five years of change that was going to happen anyway. It's just all happening this year. Welcome to the Boss Podcast, the best of social selling. Your host, Mark McGinnis, Australia's number one social seller, author of Tactical Pipeline Growth and B2B Sales Trainer, brings you expert opinion, tactics, and discussion to help you get more out of your time on social. Welcome to the Boss Podcast, the best of social selling. Today, we're talking to Stephen Norman about using social in a complex sale. Stephen's a gun sales consultant and an author of Future Proof Selling. In addition, he has his own podcast, also called Future Proof Selling, where he discusses the best and latest sales strategies in play today. He's a specialist in tech sales, working in Sydney in Australia. In this episode, instead of being the podcast host, he's actually the talent, and he's going to share what he thinks we should be doing to use social as part of the more complex sale and beyond the more simple starting of conversations. Some of the things Steve talks about is how inside sales now, thanks to COVID, has a bigger piece to play in our sales organizations and how we can use content more effectively to re-engage our clients. Before we jump into this episode with Steve Norman, I need to say a big thank you for all of those who have embraced the podcast so far. I'm extremely grateful. I do appreciate the messages we've received today. It's really nice to hear that we're making a difference for many sales reps out there week to week. If you'd like to make a suggestion for the pod about who we should have on or simply to reach out, feel free to do so via my website, which is markmc.co or via LinkedIn. And of course, that's Mark McGinnis. I'm on a mission to get all of these great social strategies out to as many people as possible. And in order to do that, I'm going to need your help. Please like, share, comment, and importantly, rate us on your favorite social media and your favorite podcast service. It makes all the difference so other people can find us. I really do appreciate your help. So now let's catch up with Stephen Norman. Welcome to the Boss Podcast. I'm very pleased this week to have Steve Norman, the CEO and founder of Growth Acumen, as a guest. Steve, welcome to the Boss Podcast. Great to be with you, Mark. Looking forward to it. Very, very pleased to have you here. And of course, for those of you who don't know, Steve Norman is a Sydney-based B2B sales trainer. He has the organization called Growth Acumen. You might know him as the author of a great book called Future Proof Sales Strategy. And that was the that was a finalist in the 2019 Top Sales Book of the Year. Is that right, Steve? Yeah, correct. It was shortlisted there. Yeah. And I'm expecting very good audio quality out of you today, Steve, because you're also <laughs> the, the host 
of a great podcast. Now, I listen to a few podcasts and yours is one of them, which is, of course, the Future Proof Selling Podcast. And a good tip for everyone, we've all got to pick up our game on the audio and video and lighting and everything in this uh, new remote selling world. Yeah, that's exactly right. You know, and this is a great way to produce content for salespeople as well, if you can create a podcast. Now, Steve, people might say, Mark, why is Steve and Mark collaborating? Because we're both B2B sales trainers and we compete against each other. But I'd be suggesting that, you know, you've got a much more holistic view at sales process and sales organizations than what I do. Would that that be a fair comment to make? Yeah, sure. Like I, I get involved in like sales transformation projects and helping companies, you know, look at their whole sales strategy, look at where they're allocating resources, looking at their structure. Of course, prospecting and sales training is part of that, but I know that's that's like your specialty that you're very, very deep on, uh, whereas, yeah, I tend to cover the whole sales process, including discovery, qualifying, building commitment, managing pipelines, forecasts, and all of those processes. And in fact, in your book, you talk about the seven steps of building out a great sales organization. Sure. And I think you start with the structure, don't you? And then you talk about, well, actually, you should talk through the seven steps rather than me. It's your book. Absolutely. Like, yeah, there's seven steps and I talk about implementing the right sales structure, which is about really understanding your market, where are the key opportunities, focusing your resources towards the highest priority opportunities, and then also specializing wherever practical. Because I really believe in having specialized sales roles, but only as far as practical. We know in Australia, in a lot of our territories, we have to be jack of all trades but there, there can be opportunities to specialize. The second step, and I think the biggest step for me, is recruiting the right talent. And you know, an observation I have is most sales leaders are recruiting by gut feel or recruiting through running unstructured interviews and trying to size someone up. The data would suggest that's a very poor predictor of success. So I've got a whole structure for effective sales recruiting. Then there's the prospecting function is key. Next is that middle of funnel process around your know, discovery, qualifying, bringing insight, all of that. I've got a whole system for managing the middle of funnel effectively. The MOFU, as you call it. I love yeah, that. MOFU. MOFU. <laughs> so, uh, middle of funnel. Don't misunderstand what that stands for. <laughs> Next step is you know, about referrals, referral selling, and uh, very few organizations actually have a proper structure for leveraging referrals. And we just know the leads we get from referrals have much better economics, much better close rates than leads we get through our our prospecting activity. So a whole structure there. Sixth step is about collaboration and stakeholder management. And it's been proven with all the data, salespeople and sales leaders that build great stakeholder support in their organizations are far more successful than average. So that's a really key thing to look at. And the last thing for sales leaders is to focus on continuous change and improvement. This year's taught us a lot of lessons about that. And we need to look at our sales organization as a living, breathing, changing organism. You know, when I talk to sales leaders, and well, let's say when I was a sales leader, I managed large sales teams, you know, for more than 20 years. And I was always working on three or four initiatives to improve that organization to improve how we did prospecting, to improve how we were converting, to improve our margins, to improve our product mix. You've got to be always looking at changing and improving. There's a good way of doing that and a bad way. And we know 
70% of change initiatives fail in companies because they go about it the wrong way. So there's a pretty solid structured process of how to make changes in the sales team stick. Yeah, that's a great, great statistic, isn't it? 70% of change initiatives fail. Yeah, and we all know it, right? We, we all know the situation where we, uh, we're called into a town hall meeting with the MD or the CEO or the sales leader and they tell us, oh, yeah, we're going to like target this market or we're introducing this product. We want you to sell services as well as sell product now and they roll it out and then six months later, nothing's really changed. Yeah. And as a sales leader, that if you hear those numbers, so I'm a safety kind of guy, Stephen. I'm like a safe investor. And mm. you know, if I, I think, okay, if I'm a sales leader and 70% of initiatives fail, if I conduct no initiatives whatsoever, I'll be considered to be more successful than most others. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the thing is, if we don't adapt and we don't change, yeah, we're going to die, probably going to die a slow death anyway. Right. Well, wouldn't that be better than a fast death? I mean, so if I if I carry, you know, bring in a social selling campaign to XYZ organization. Yeah, it's right? risk. And I've got a 70% chance of failure. I could just continue on with what I've already got and die a slow death, but maybe I'll, you know, be in a new role by then. Yeah, exactly. You could move on and, you know, destroy some other sales organization. But um, <laughs> this, is what we see. this is what we see with a lot of folks moving around and just implementing the same old system. The better approach I would suggest is learn how to make change stick. Yeah. You know, that there's three or four steps that you need to follow to get the right alignment with your team, to do the right planning, give everyone input, celebrate early wins, make sure you stay involved as a leader to, to make those changes stick. Because when, when you implement something new, your sales team will run into obstacles. They'll run into obstacles with uh, the CRM or some other system yeah, or another department won't be supporting the new initiative, and you know the sales leader will need to go and block that or, or clear that blockage. There's a lot of things you need to do to uh, to make change stick. Yeah, and look, this two minutes just highlights how different being a sales leader is to being a gun salesperson. So you don't need to handle any of these challenges when you're the best salesperson in an organisation. But the minute that you become a sales leader, you've got to think about all of this. Put your experience on the line to bring, you know, these initiatives, these change initiatives forward so that you continue to increase your revenue. Yes. It's a tough, tough gig. And a lot of us don't know where to start or a lot of sales leaders don't know where to start. And that's what got us to you and I talking and bring you on the podcast today is because you've developed a really cool tool that's going to help us find where we could start, where we should start. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh We've put together a, a sales assessment tool for organizations to assess their sales function. So it's, it's a really great tool for sales leaders to self-assess their sales organization in seven key categories. And uh, they roughly follow the seven categories that I just outlined from the book. You know, how are we hiring? How are we prospecting? How are we doing discovery and qualification, et cetera, right? So it covers all those areas in a bit of depth. Survey only takes five or 10 minutes to complete and they'll get they get a 12 page report that will highlight the areas they may want to focus on because you can't fix everything at once you can't overturn the whole sales process you know in, in one go you, you've got to prioritize okay for the next six months we're going to implement you know a social selling program say right and you need to be focused and stick to that and then following that okay we're going to close on improving our margins or you're know, getting better better close rates, 
and then follow that through. So, so this would give you some guidance, and you can just you can check it out you know, at my website, growthacumen.com.au. It's a free assessment, and uh, I think you're pretty useful at this time. First of all, I've got to say, Steve, it's a great tool. I've used it, as you know. That's why we've reached out. The presentation of it is really, really high quality. You know, the report that you get back is very, very good, much better than what you would expect from most consulting businesses I would thought of our size. So well done to that. And it's quick and easy to do. So if you're a sales leader, stop the podcast here, go to the website, do the three minutes or five minutes worth of survey, then come back. I'm that confident you'll get some value out of it. And then come back and listen to this. Super great tool. Okay. So we wanted to talk a little bit today about what's happening in the marketplace and the opportunities that exist for salespeople and wrap that up in some social pieces. Yeah, Steve? Yeah, absolutely. So what's your mindset around the opportunities for salespeople now? I'm saying now as in COVID, whatever version of COVID we're in, and that depends whether you're in Victoria, Queensland, New South Wales or Florida. It's all a little bit different. Yep. Yeah. So what's your mindset around that? Yeah, I see two massive changes going on, Mark, that we're going through right now. And the obvious one is the shift to remote and the shift to digital. And we'll dig into that in a minute. And that gets a lot of focus. The other big shift is that the market's shrunk, right? And the market has become much tougher. And sales organizations and salespeople that are not professional, that are not, don't have the skills, don't understand the processes properly are really getting found out right now. So the bar's just gotten much higher. And I think there's that requires us to really understand where we stand on our sales fundamentals. And I see a lot of sales teams have been what I call speeding the last three or four years. We've had a boom economy where if your sales skills weren't up to par, you might still have been successful and you might have been able to lead with a product-led sales process and still had some success. That's absolutely not going to work now. So hence the focus I put on developing that, that sales tool is because I really think folks need to take stock of their fundamentals. So, so that's, that's something really key. And then this shift to remote and digital, this is a shift that's been happening anyway. Like you and I know, the past decade, you know, these trends yeah, they've been happening. Like, look, look at the growth of LinkedIn in the last 10 years. Like, it's been growing at 20 or 30% a year through that whole time, people doing more and more interaction on LinkedIn. And this year, of course, it's jumped tremendously. It's got a lot of attention, but it's probably like accelerated, I don't know, three years or five years of change that was going to happen anyway. It's just all happening this year. Yeah. So LinkedIn have, have announced a 26% increase of activity in April. Wow. Okay. That's amazing. So got 705, 706 million people on the platform, 368 million people use it once a month, yep. and about 3.5 million people use it once a week. Yeah. Sorry, post once a week. Yeah. So the numbers have increased by about 10 or 15 million, which, which is not a lot, but the usage rate has increased by 26%. It's incredible. And, and similar numbers for Zoom, like yeah, Zoom, Zoom was growing like crazy anyway. Business interactions were shifting to video already. Now it's been accelerated, like it's doubled or tripled or quadrupled with year, right? Inside sales has been growing for a long time, Mark, right? The specialization, the shift from field to inside or, or having a, a bigger ratio of inside. Of course, we're all, now we're all inside. 
Mm. <laughs> right? And, and, and we just know, like, the economics of inside sales, when you get it right, are so much better than the field. You can do so many more meetings. You can do so much more preparation. You have all the tools at your fingertips when you're talking to the customer. You know, there's a lot to be said for being an effective inside or remote salesperson. Yep, absolutely. And I don't think we're going back to that, you know, face-to-face demonstrations, let me sit in your boardroom. And of course, some of those things will happen, but they just won't be anywhere near as often as what they used to be. Yes. So when we have this much disruption, it's a massive opportunity, right? So if you were, you know, like field sales and sales in general may have become pretty refined, very competitive for a long time, and maybe hard to get ahead, hard to get, get an edge. But now with all the disruption, if you can invest in your own development and you can become expert at LinkedIn, you can become expert on managing Zoom, you can become expert on all these like remote selling skills, you've got a chance to really, you know, vault yourself forward and be very competitive. Look, I mean, that sounds obvious in some respects because, you know, we're in the middle of this now. What do you think salespeople should be doing or maybe sales leaders? Because I know you've got to focus on, on the leadership piece more than, more than the frontline piece. Yeah, I think we have to be very practical. And the, the practical thing is, like, it, I do a lot of work in the tech space and the SaaS space. A huge portion of the leads in that industry come from events and they come from face-to-face meetings, right? Um, so that's gone away. And so I'm getting involved in a lot of projects. Okay, how do we generate pipeline in this new situation? And when you ask salespeople or experienced field salespeople, okay, what's the best way to make a phone call, a prospecting phone call? What's the best way to write a prospecting email? What's the best world-class way to conduct yourself on LinkedIn? And they usually don't have much clue about that. And it's not surprising that they're not skilled that they've you know, been working on for the past few years. So I think we do have to get back to sales fundamentals and we need to be drilling and learning about how to do this stuff and execute this stuff in a world-class way. I think what you're saying is we need to relook at our processes and, and adapt for the new, new. And I know a lot of people don't like that sort of the new, new. Yeah. Video messaging is huge right now. Mark reports his very best message response rates are coming from video messaging, and Mark chooses to use Bonjuro as his video message supplier. Because Bonjuro is now a supporter of the Boss Podcast, they have given listeners a massive 20% off any of their plans. Simply add Boss20 at the checkout. That's B-O-S-S-2-0. Give Bonjuro a go and increase your response rates by 300%. Go to Bonjoro.com. That's B-O-N-J-O-R-O.com. What I've noticed, for example, is, you know, the rapport building component of an online conversation is about 90 seconds. Whereas if I was in a boardroom, you know, that might well be five minutes. Is that the sort of thing that you think that where we need to make adjustments in in our sales process? Is it something like that? Yeah, like how do we build trust? How do we build credibility? Like it's talking about prospecting, right? Yep. How do we build credibility with new people? And yeah, if you could get a meeting with someone and get face-to-face, you can cross that bridge, right? But I think we need to be using social much more effectively to warm up prospects and warm up potential customers here 
And it's not just the activity we do, it's how we present ourselves. And it's what's our value? Are salespeople really clear about their value, their unique value? And they need to find that. And you can't do this on a weak foundation. Nice. So what would you advise salespeople to do in in that regard on social, to create that foundation? I think most salespeople underestimate their value. Absolutely. But generally, they know more about their industry or their subject than the average customer because they're exposed to so many deals, so many customers, so many situations, so many problems. And I really want to see salespeople presenting themselves as expert on solving their customers' problems, right? But where that, and I'm I'm hoping this is what you're going to say next, but where that junction is between their products and services meets their clients, right? They don't need to be an expert on every component of their customer's business. They just need to be an expert at where their their SaaS product or their tech product intersects with with their clients. Is that right? Yeah, it's got to be relevant, right? And it's got to eventually lead to opportunities for your product, right? And that's what you'll have expertise in. Mm. You should have expertise. Okay, let's say we're selling, um, you know, a records management system for hospitals, right? What are the key challenges that hospitals have with managing their records, getting access to them, securing them, being able to share them with other hospitals or, or, or whatever those, those types of challenges are. We should be expert on that and how other hospitals have solved those problems. Mm. And our profile should say, I help hospitals access records faster yep. or at a lower cost or, or, or something like that, right? And so that's the foundation that we start with And then we should be posting on those topics or finding industry articles on those topics and putting out comment. And then when we're approaching a potential customer, we're talking about those particular problems and issues with some credibility. And through that, the customer's starting, you know, through those different interactions when they check your profile, when they get a message from you, when they see it, they see a post from you, they're starting to put the jigsaw together. And they're starting to build a picture of you and uh, you're presenting yourself very differently than someone whose profile says New South Wales sales manager for XYZ records management company. Uh, it, it's a very different thing, isn't it? Well, strategic connector. Yeah. Or I made quota for the last five years. <laughs> Customers don't want to hear that. Yeah. And I think it's important that they build a network full of their target audience you know like it's it's all well and good to be connected to a whole bunch of salespeople and and sales let's call them influencers you know i think that's important but you also need to have a good depth of network that's going to be relevant for your perfect clients right because people want to see you in the same circles as what they are when i first started selling you know my boss used to say so i was in fmcg right fast moving consumer goods work for national foods which is now lion nathan and they used to say you've got to go and read you know, grocery magazines about what's happening in the grocery industry. Because when you're communicating with the people at Shell service stations or or the people at Woolworths, you need to know what's important to them. And so you had to learn to like that conversation. And it's exactly the same on LinkedIn, you know. And the only way you're going to do that is by adding those types of people and those topics into your network. Yeah, absolutely. And something interesting I learned about sort of recently is that, you know, the brain doesn't really distinguish between a real meeting and a virtual meeting or a virtual relationship. And you can actually build relationship. You can build trust. Like I know with my experience on LinkedIn, so I've been quite active for 
maybe three years now. And, uh, you know, I'm posting weekly. I've got content. I have folks coming to me all the time that say they feel like they know me. Yep. And they, they sort of do know me, actually. I don't know them, but they know me and they know what they're getting into when they engage with me already, right? So, and if we think about how we look at, you know, sports stars or pop stars or the passion we feel about different things that we follow, we haven't met those people. We don't know those, you know, that those people don't know us, but we can have a very, you know, meaningful sort of emotional connection to something that, that we haven't touched or, or met. Yeah, so good points there around what salespeople need to do. Have you got, what about, you know, reactivating conversations with old accounts or, or you know, using social more deeply into, the, into a complex sale? Got any ideas or thoughts around that? Absolutely, Mark. And we, and we know the trend in your larger complex deals is there's more people involved in decisions. Yep. And that number seems to be growing year after year. It's like an average of about eight, I think. And on the super large enterprise deals, it's about 17 folks on average. And you can imagine this year, you know, what I've seen is that more people are getting involved this year because, you know, they're really scrutinizing where they're spending money, right? Exactly. Things are getting pushed upstairs, you know, even on, on low value. Yeah, because nobody wants to take the risk, right? So the, the risk is shared. You know, like I don't want to be that sales manager that implements a, something that's got a 70% chance of failure. Yeah. But if I, if I can tie my CEO, CFO, COO and, and HR department into that conversation, then it's, I'm less likely to get the sack when it fails. Yeah, and so it, it's, <laughs> it's very important that we broaden our contact base within live accounts. And what better way to do it than using LinkedIn? Great stuff. So how would people go about that? Have you got any strategies around that? It depends on the situation, right? Mm-hmm. And something, you know, something I've done, we should be posting stuff relevant to those folks. And you can even, if you're working on a huge deal, could be a multi-million dollar deal, you know, I've planted content specific for that customer, but you don't have to tell them it's just for them, right? That's right. That's right. I, I don't know if you've done anything like that, but you could post something you know, that goes out to everybody but it's actually very relevant and it's got some messages you want that specific prospect to see, right? So you can post that and then you can even forward it. Say, hey, I I wrote this article or I posted this. I thought it might be of interest to you. Put it right in front of them. Yep. Very effective. Or find something, search something on the web or search on LinkedIn for something very relevant to their specific situation and just serve it up right in front of them. Yeah, I think like if you can post We'll find some content that's been written by an authority that reinforces your point of view. So if you've been having a conversation with Business XYZ about why they should make a change, and you can find somebody that's in a position of authority that talks about the benefits of making that change, you could then repost that, that article. Absolutely. Generate a bunch of activity. And then behind the scenes, you know, I could send that to you and say, hey, Steve, look, I know we spoke about this two weeks ago. Here's an article that you know, supports the conversation I think we were having. I think it's really important for you to have a look. Yeah. You know, it's a three-minute read. Maybe the most important part is, you know, the second and third paragraph. Yes. Just thought you'd like to know, you know, and if you've got a bunch of activity on that. I like that specificity <laughs> that, that you give there. We need to make it easy. Well, and it's also about making it relevant, right? So incre- increasing the level of value. So if I say to you, Steve, here's an article, and a lot of reps do this, right? So they go, I've tagged you in an article. And it's a 15-minute read or a five-minute read. I'm asking you to invest five minutes of your time, right? So how can I make that more valuable? If I say, Steve, here's an article that I think is important for you. 
the key points for you are paragraph, you know, or page halfway through page two. And it's important for you because you've just increased the level of value in that piece of content that you provided to them. Because we know, you know, that people see value in something that's delivered in a timely manner, is considered to be personalized, and they can see it as being valuable. So you need to make sure you wind up the level of value when you provide something, and you need to wind up the value of personalization. And the way for you to do that is by simply doing something like that. This is why it's important to you. Here's the most important piece. Absolutely. And we've got the opportunity to put that in front of lots of folks in that organization. I can even say, hey, you know, let, let's say you're making a decision uh, in your company, but I know there's three or four other folks involved, but maybe I can't get to them. Maybe you know they don't want to meet with suppliers. It's all being led by you. But I could approach them on LinkedIn and say, hey, we're talking to Mark about this new solution. I thought I'd share with you something that might be of interest to you, right? Yep. You can just start covering your bases a bit more there. Yeah. And, you know, that's so easy to do. And a lot of people will think, hang on, I don't want to step on anyone's toes. If you consider yourself to be an authority in your space, which is what you were talking about earlier on, yeah, then you could say, look, Steve, I've been working with Mark on this project. Typically what I see in organizations like yours is your role, whatever it is, you know, head of IT, likes to be across some of this information. So I thought that's why I'd share this with you. Yeah. And you do it respectfully and professionally. You're not really going right behind someone. Perfect. It works. Really good advice. Good thought process here, Steve. Love it. Anything else that you think we should be doing? Well, of course, you know, reactivating old accounts. And, you know, we know that contacts change all the time. Yeah. And, uh, you know, changing contacts can be a trigger to make contact again. So, that, so that's, that's sort of a basic on LinkedIn, right, that we should be tracking our key accounts and changes there. And just, you know, just making contact and, you know, warming up on LinkedIn. And you, you've got a, a warm opening, right, if you've done business before. Yeah, that's right. And chances are when people move into a new role, are they busy or are they quiet? You know, they're probably the least busiest they're going to be, right? So in that first 60 days, they're getting everything worked out. They're thinking strategically. It's a good opportunity to say, hey, you know, we did some great work together in XYZ now that you're at ABC. Just wanted to make sure I've got your details right. Maybe there's an opportunity to chat in the future. A catalyst for change, right? When, when someone's moved, you know, great excuse to uh, to talk to them. And I like your one about contacting people on their birthday as well. I know you do that. <laughs> oh, you'd be surprised how good the like how many positive responses I get. Yeah, I started doing it. It's uh, it's awesome. Yeah, it works yeah. really really well. <laughs> If you need more conversations with your ideal buyers or to simply sharpen your prospecting skills, check out Mark's latest book, Tactical Pipeline Growth. It's a complete prospecting guide. It outlines step-by-step the process to build a strong and healthy pipeline. Mark has included a huge amount of valuable sales material, such as templates, call and email scripts, the best cadence plans, as well as social selling templates for you to use and start prospecting straight away. Tactical Pipeline Growth is available from Amazon or directly from www.markmc.co slash TPG. I might mess this up. So, you know, people moving from one role to another, right? So it actually provides three opportunities. So if you've been working with Bob at ABC and he moves to XYZ, there's an opportunity for you to talk to Bob now that he's at XYZ, 
right? Sure. But there's also an opportunity where? Back at his old company, right? With the- right, so the new person that's, you know, Margaret that's coming in at ABC. But you're already talking to Margaret and guess where the third opportunity is? Mm. Where she just left. Yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you talk to Bob, hey, Bob, you know, really pleased that you're now at the XYZ. Just wanted to say, appreciate the help that, you know, that we did at ABC, or it could be appreciate that we didn't get to do what we wanted to do at ABC. Mm. So an unsuccessful sale, right? Yeah. yeah. You know, wanted to reconnect because you never know what's going to happen in the future, blah, blah, blah. Do you know who stepped in over at ABC? Yes, no, doesn't really matter. If he does, then you can get an introduction. You go back to Mary and go, hey, Mary, you know, we were working on this project over here at ABC. You know, I've just been talking to Bob who was in this role beforehand. You can start a conversation. Yes, there's a future opportunity. No, there's not. Where did you come from, Mary? I came from one, two, three. Mm. Oh, okay. Do you know what's going on over there? Then you ring up one, two, three and go, hey, I was just talking to Mary who's only recently left. There you go. Three yeah. opportunities from one. You got like a warm introduction there. All the way through. That just improves your hit rate exponentially if you've got some, some sort of common connection there. Well, didn't you say five minutes ago referrals are, you know? Absolutely. The way to go. Very good stuff. We have to do. We have to explore every avenue to warm up the approach. Yeah, I think. Well, we just forget about those, right? So it's yeah. We get sometimes we become blind of looking for the tried and tested, you know, search on LinkedIn where we're looking for VP of sales in an organisation this large, in this location, and forget about some of those other really easy opportunities. Yeah, but they're quite close in, right? Yeah, exactly. Yes. Exactly. Good good stuff. So what else should salespeople be doing to help themselves in this digital transformation piece? I could summarize a few things, right? A few points for everyone. So we we talked about it already, right? Let's make sure we're shifting our profiles to presenting ourselves as authorities in our industry and at least as folks that, that help their target customers solve a problem, right? So, yeah, we help HR managers, you know, improve payroll. We help hospitals, you know, reduce their records administration costs, you know, whatever that is. You know, get that, mm-hmm. that really clear and be leading with that. And that's going to be the whole foundation. I think in this market, we really need to be prioritizing our targets. There, there's a lot of industries that are down. And where possible, we want to focus towards some industries and some companies that may be doing, doing better in this situation. And my studies have shown there's about 60% of the market is business as usual or doing well at the moment. So we all know what those sort of segments are. So it's not all doom and gloom. And then when we're targeting, let's make sure we very much customize our messaging and it's got to be very specific and relevant to today. And there's there's so many hooks to develop specific messaging today with what's going on. Everyone knows what's going on in different industries with the, the crisis that we've had. You know, they're either struggling or they're booming and they're struggling with keeping up with demand and you know their supply chains are stretched and all that sort of thing. We, we need to get, get really specific there. Yep. I want salespeople to take action, right? Get the right balance of, okay, you, you have a thought, you've got your contacts, you're going to make contact, you think of something to do. Take action pretty quickly. Don't ponder too long, right? And I see too many sales where they're sort of in analysis paralysis or sitting behind too much, being sort of more passive, sitting on the computer. Get on the phone, make calls or or send that note on LinkedIn. Yeah, don't overthink it, right? Get it right. Use some of these basic techniques, but get the action done. Do the execution. Yeah. yeah that's really, really important. And this is the time that my last tip is really 
this is the time to accelerate your personal development. And uh, we've all got a time dividend. Uh, we're not traveling. And I think that it, we really should be using salespeople should be spending, I don't know, can you find two hours a week to you know invest in yourself and really sharpen up on these skills, you know, making outbound calls, writing emails, using LinkedIn, using Zoom, become world-class in those areas and uh, you'll, you'll be very competitive. Yes, I think that's really a great takeaway, you know, to finish up on. Dean Mannix talks about 13% of salespeople are above average. It's really easy to step into that high-performing space yeah. as long as you invest in yourself. It's actually not that hard to outperform as a salesperson if you treat it as a, a real job and a lifelong role no. and take it seriously. There's a question I ask my sales classes when I'm doing training is how many of them think they're above average, right? And, of course, about 90% think they are, but only half are. <laughs> we all have that, that idea of overestimating where we sit in the pecking order. And, but like you say, it doesn't take a lot. Like I think if you spent one to two hours a week on your own development, you'll be miles ahead. You'll be in that, that sort of top, you know, five to 10%. Yeah, and that's where the gravy is. Like, so, you know, those 13% of overperformers get 91% of all bonuses. I can believe it. It's very disproportionate. Yeah, absolutely. You're putting yourself up for, you know, fantastic career security. And, you know, rather than most salespeople, and we're in a world of insecurity. So, Steve, it's hard for me to disagree with any of that. It's been lots and lots of good takeaways there all the way through. What's the one thing you want to leave all these listeners with? What's the one thing you need, they need to do? Execute, take action, commit to activity. Just by doing that, even if you don't learn technique and study technique, your technique will get better. So just do the activity. That's half the battle. Okay, Steve. So. People want to get in contact with you. What's the best way for them to do that? Are you interested in connecting with people on LinkedIn or give us some direction there? Yeah, absolutely. So easy to find me on LinkedIn, linkedin.com slash growth coach, or just look up Stephen Norman in Sydney, Growth Acumen, or go to my website, growthacumen.com.au. And there you can see uh, you know, all the podcasts, all the content, and also the sales assessment that we spoke about earlier. So look forward to engaging with with everyone out there. Yep. And don't forget sales letters, grab that sales assessment tool. It's very much worthwhile your five minutes of your time. It's a great tool indeed. Steve, thanks for coming on to the Boss Podcast. I really appreciate it. Well done. Been a huge pleasure, mate. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Please help others just like you find this podcast by spreading the word. If you like this podcast, please subscribe and rate us wherever you source your podcasts. Thank you for listening to the Boss Podcast. Join us next time for even more tactics, discussion, and ideas to help you improve your social outreach.